Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Catalyst from France. The song, Paragon of Devastation, and that's off of their new album, A Different Painting for a New World, out very soon on Non-Servium Records. They are from Metz, France, and I don't know anything about that, but I know there's a cool noise rock band named Metz as well. Uh, These guys uh, are releasing their second full-length album. It'll be available everywhere October 14th. If you need to be told, that was very obviously technical death metal, tech death as some people like to call it. And while we're not exactly talking tech death on this episode of the podcast, we are talking death metal that does sometimes get technical with Andrew Lee of Rip to Shreds. You might know him from Hokagu Grind Time. You might know him from Andrew Lee's Heavy Metal Shrapnel. You might know him from Skull Smasher. You might know him from all sorts of things. But we're talking about the flagship today, Ripped to Shreds, and their third full-length, Jubian, coming out October 14th on Relapse Records. So, let's listen to that hot zone and get into Getting It Out podcast. Kick it! Make family out of friends! Make friends out of enemies! Peace to my family! Make friends till they bury me! All the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We be getting it in! Where you getting it out? I said all the places we've been! We're never sitting it out! We'll be getting it in! Where you getting it out? Every day I walk the same way to and from work, and every day, well, most days, I see two gentlemen in their garage or leaning up against their cars, two different houses on the separate ends of one block, and both of them are smoking marijuana at random times throughout the day. Well, beginning, middle, or end. That's when I see them, when I'm walking to work, when I'm walking home at lunch, when I'm walking back to work at lunch, when I'm walking home at the end of the day. Anyway, Every now and then, I catch these guys out in their garage puffing on the, the, what is it called, the Chiba. Puffing on the Chiba for medical reasons, I'm sure. And every time they see me, they act like they're not doing anything and they try to hide it. And hey, man, what do I look like, a cop? Just leave it out there. I can smell it, by the way. The whole neighborhood can smell it. It's not like you're uh, doing something uh, sneaky here. You're standing in the driveway or the garage smoking marijuana. It reeks, pal. Skunks, they're nocturnal. They're not out during the day making it smell like this. It's you. And here's the other thing. I don't mind. Go ahead. Ask me if I want some. Just stop being a weirdo about it and acting like you're hiding it from anybody. Acting like anybody gives a shit, really. And also, it's 2022. It's probably legal anyway. Just do it. It reminds me of my earlier days when on the weekends we'd hang out at the bar. My friends would be in fucking conga lines going to the bathroom doing coke thinking that anybody thought that they had to pee that much. Hey, we all knew what you were doing. We all don't care. Or maybe we do care, but it's not worth bringing it up to some coked out asshole. And that was a lot of my friends back then. I hung out with a lot of people who did a lot of cocaine. And boy, was that annoying. I don't know how I did that. Maybe that's why I fought them frequently. Maybe that's what happened. Uh, But, you know, whatever. I'm very proud to say this guy that you're talking to right now has never done an ounce of cocaine. Not an ounce, a granule. How about that? I've never done a granule of cocaine. Very proud. And you might be like, hey, man, I never have either. That's not a big accomplishment. Not when you had the friends that I had. Not when you lived in Baltimore City and these people were cocaine addicts, literally. 
Many of them. Probably dead. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I'm kidding. They were pretty bad, though. Moving on. Have you ever heard of the band Neutral Milk Hotel? Terrible name, right? And they got this one album. Terrible cover art, right? And it has the name. And I don't even know what it is. But I'm sure it's terrible, too. And uh, the songs on it, though, they're awesome. I finally came around to this thing. It's been about 20 years I've spent with it. Listening to it once every five, maybe. And going, that shit sucks. And uh, lately, I've been like, that shit rocks. So I need to find the other bands that I always thought sucked and give them another listen. How about Cursive? That seems like one of those types of bands. Maybe I should give them another listen. Maybe I'm entering my indie rock and roll phase. Is indie rock still a thing? Isn't mostly every band an indie band now? I guess it's not. We know what indie means. It means whiny. It means glasses. It means books and jeans. Um, But it doesn't mean anything cool usually. Nothing cool, nothing, no bandanas, no piercings, no braided goatees, but it should. Let's get some braided goatees on these jeans-wearing indie rockers. A beret and a bandana. Let's add them up. Let's make a new genre. Not N-U, no, yes, N-U, umlaut you indie. I'm working, workshopping here. N-U, umlaut you N-D-I-E. no. That's Nundi. That's Noondi. Noondi. Yeah, let's do Noondi. Let's do some Noondi music. Uh, just goatees and braids, pierced eyebrows, bandana, beret, jeans, and glasses. What's it sound like? Books. Now that you're inspired, let's listen to some death metal in my conversation with Andrew Lee of Rip to Shreds. But first, here is one of the tracks from the new album, Jubian. This one is called Race Trader.
first of all, I gotta ask because I find it a little odd. Did you find it odd that Rip to Shreds wasn't taken already when you went to name this band? Uh, strictly speaking, there are about six different punk bands that also have the name, but I think they've all stopped over 10 years ago. I don't think there are any other currently active bands with a name. Well, that's, that's, that's what but I assume. I don't think there are any metal bands. Yeah, I think, no metal bands. I, I, punk I think you can say you, it's yours now. I think you've done enough with it. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, it's it's officially your your name, which is great. It's a, it's, a, it's a great name, um, but uh, you've you've done you've really put out an incredible amount of music over the last few years. When when did Rip to Shreds officially start? Um, I think on Metal Archives it says like 2016. That's kind of true because um, like I wrote uh, one of the first songs that I would use for Rip to Shreds in 2016, but you know. I wouldn't say it really existed until I put out the first album. Mm-hmm. No, um, because, you know, it, it's not like, you know, I was a known musician before then. No one really knew who I was or knew anything about the band. So really for me, the band like really started once they put out that first album. And that was what, what, what year is that first album? Uh, that was 2018. 2018. Okay. That's what, I, that's what I thought. I just didn't have it in front of me. Um, so basically in, four years you've become a pretty well-known musician in the world of metal which is pretty incredible um and it's not just because of rip to shreds it's because you do your heavy metal shrapnel solo stuff you do uh well, i'm going to say this wrong i think hokagu grind time there's skull smasher yeah, there's, there's all sorts of yep. stuff you do right i mean i i just get ideas you know <laughs> and then i i get ideas you know i record everything in my basement it's not like, you know, I, I need to drive out to some studio like an hour away and then you yeah. know, spend a whole bunch of money to get everything recorded. So for me, it's really easy. You know, I get I get an idea. You know, I record some riffs. I record some drums. And then, you know, you just kind of stick it out there. <laughs> this can't be like you can't be this talented, though, and this be your first foray into making music. So when did this all begin for you? Like just being like a, a big time musician like this or I should say a well well, I don't know, a well-versed musician. That's what I'm, musician I'm looking for. Well, I think I start. I started playing guitar in high school, so that's around, uh, I think I started late 2015, or, or sorry, late 2005 mm-hmm. or early 2006, around then. Um, actually, I didn't really start writing music or... I mean, I, I didn't join my first band until 2016. That was uh, that was the wow. uh, disincarnation, and then we did that one demo with Unspeakable Axe Records, mm-hmm. um, and so that was that was really my first band experience. And I, I think I started writing music you know, a couple of years before that, and I didn't really have the confidence to to join a band, um, you know, until then. Um, so. Let me see. I think I started. I started playing drums maybe like 2012 or so, um, just because I wanted to learn a bit more about music. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I started off, uh, you know, with rock and metal, um, but maybe around like 2010 or so, I started getting bored with rock and metal. You know, I started listening to more jazz or jazz fusion. Um, and it wasn't really until like 2014 or 2015 when 
I started getting really interested in metal again. Mm-hmm. And then, because I, I, I can point to two specific records, you know, um, Horrendous's Ectasis and uh, Dead Congregation's uh, Promulgation of the Fall. And, you know, w- when I heard those two records, it, it was just kind of like a, you know, it, it, it was just a big burst of inspiration. I felt like, you know, I had to start writing my own music um, yeah. when I heard those. Cause I, I, what do you think yeah, it is about, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but what do you think it is about that Horrendous record? Because I love that one too. That's my, if I'm listening to Horrendous, I'm going to Ectasis. And uh, that's, I think it's just like, I think it stands out from everything else they've done in a lot of records of the time. What is about that one? I think, uh, I, mean, I mean, you know, you, you could just say it has sick riffs and sick leads, you know, mm-hmm. but I think there's, um, I think their melodic sense is different from most death metal bands or prog, prog death bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and they integrate that melodicism into their music in a way that doesn't, uh, you know, feel cheesy or doesn't feel like, you know, it's been done a million times before, you know, like later carcass stuff is melodic, but, um, it's, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like their sense of melody is pretty unique in the death metal space. So for me, that's kind of what stands out the most about horrendous. Hmm. I like that. I like that. And I see some, uh, I, feel, I, I can honestly say I feel like you've got a little bit of that going on with Jubian here. I mean, hey, Horrendous is one of my favorite bands. <laughs> I've probably ripped off, ripped them off more than I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> so you've only been at this for a few years. I mean, really playing uh, death metal. And that's it's really remarkable to me. Um, but you've, you've come a long way in a short period of time. When you were starting Rip to Shreds, did you see this as a um, as an Andrew Lee project? Because I know in the very beginning you were doing it all. I guess. But, you know, I know that, at least for death metal, one-man bands are not really a kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I, I talked to some labels, and they were like, I can't sell a one-man death metal band. This this isn't a thing, <laughs> you know? So um, it was important for me to, rep- to present it as ripped to shreds rather than, hey, this is a Andrew Lee thing, you know? Yeah. So you start doing that in uh, 2018. You put out a couple records. Uh, since then, you put out two full lengths, a split. Um, there's an EP or two. Um, but now we're on to the the third full length, is that right? This would be considered the third yes, full yeah. length. The third um, one. Tell me about this. How did we get here? What's this record? What's the big theme? Is there a big theme on this album? When you put it that way, I'm not sure there was like any, uh, there's not really like a unifying theme yeah. uh, between all the songs. It's more like a product of, um, you know, everything that has been leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't, because I'm still doing. Uh, the majority of the songwriting myself, right? right. Um, I write, I write the songs, I make the arrangements, and then I present it to the other members of the band, and then, you know, we'll rearrange it together, you know, we'll pick through sections, you know, this part's too long, this part's too short, you know, this riff sucks, this riff's good, you should play it more, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, so, I, but it, it's not like one of those COVID records, you know, where, you know, band, you, you read, interviews from like a hundred different bands and they're all like, Oh yeah, we stopped touring during COVID. So, you know, we all sat down together and started writing new music. Mm-hmm. And then that's 
not really what we do. Um, I mean, I always tell the other guys, you know, if you guys want to bring me riffs, melodies, even whole songs, you know, I'm more than happy to hear it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's still, you know, mostly me writing all the music. Yeah. So it's not like our process, I mean, our process has changed because, you know, uh, the new one's like a full band effort. You know, we've got, I've got these guys making their contributions to the record uh, in ways that, you know, weren't there on previous records. So uh, it, it's definitely a new approach for the band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because uh, another thing is um, we recorded and mixed everything in my home studio. And before, you know, I would have, I would record like the guitars and the vocals here and um, on the first one, I recorded the drums here, but you know the recording was really terrible. Like everything sample replaced on the on the album because the sounds I got were just awful. <laughs> um, the like the second album, uh, you know, uh, Justin from Trenchrod recorded those in uh, his friend's studio in like uh, Michigan. You know, but uh, for this one, you know, we, we did all the recording here. With the drums were recorded here. We mixed it here. Um, it was really important for me to mix it myself on this record. Um, I mean, I love the other engineers I've worked with. You know, obviously, Damien, great engineer. Um, he's still mastering everything for RTS. Uh, Greg Wilkinson, great engineer. He got, you know, that signature dirty ear hammer sound for the last one. But, you know, I still have uh, specific things about the mix that are just you know, really difficult or tedious to communicate. And, you know, they have their own vision. I have mine. And then it was ended up just being a lot easier and faster for me to kind of like do all that stuff myself, which is why, you know, I did all the mixing here. That's, that's pretty cool. I, I love the amount of confidence you have in what you want your music to sound like. And, uh, I don't know exactly what's happening in your head, but I like the way it's coming out. Um, so I like, <laughs> I listened to the new record quite a bit. Um, and, uh, I, I really do enjoy it. Um, I'm with well, the song that jumped out to me right away is the third part of the Sun Moon Holy Cult series and in Solitude. Mm-hmm. And but I found it really interesting that you had it up there as track 2 or 3, right? It's like the third track on this thing. Yeah. Um and that's a that's a 10 minute track right at the beginning of the record. Not what most people would typically do. Tell me about the way you sequence a record like this. Um I think for me I wanted to do a long song just cuz it's like kind of a challenge and I like to challenge myself. Um because death metal and long songs, it, they typically happen when you're playing really, really slow, mm-hmm. or if you're kind of a boring band and you just repeat <laughs> sections over and over. Um, but, you know, we like to play fast, and I don't like to repeat sections too much. So it's always, you know, I, I, I like, and I've been a Dream Theater fan for basically ever since I got into metal. And, you know, they have these ridiculously long epic songs. So I kind of want to try to, I wanted to try and apply that to death metal. Um, in terms of like sequencing, I think once I realized that I wanted to write, you know, like a 10 minute long song for this record, um, I mean, there were really only two places you could put it. You either put it on side A, uh, but you don't you don't really want to start the record off with a super long song. So mm-hmm. if I want to put it on side A, it has to be at the end of side A. If I want to put it on side B, I feel like you might want to put it at the end of side B, so like at the end of the record. But mm-hmm. 
you know, at that point, I feel like people's attention spans are already kind of starting to taper off. And you ask someone to listen to a 10 minute song <laughs> at the end of an album that's already super punishing. And people will just like totally tune out. So for me, I mean, I could, I felt like I could only put it, <laughs> you know, at the end of side A. That's interesting. And that makes a ton of sense. I never, never would have considered something like that. Even as somebody who listens to uh, almost exclusively vinyl, I would. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I wouldn't have put that together. I just would have said, ah, you throw the big one at the end because that's where you can't follow it up. But this is this is pretty cool. I'm glad to hear you explain it that way. Um, this is, the, as we mentioned, this is the third part of the Sun, Moon, Holy Cult song series. Is it the last part? What's going on? What are, what are these songs and how do they all tie together? I mean, they're all based on, uh, so there, there's this one author, uh, from China called Jing Yong, and I think he was most active in like the 50s and 60s, and then he, he's one of the most influential martial arts novelists you know, ever. You know, like you look at basically any popular martial arts, you know, uh, TV series, books, Films, they're all going to be indebted to his work in some way. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's this one particular uh, book that he wrote, um, Smiling Proud Wanderer. And I watched, I, I watched one of the adaptations, you know, when I was real young. I've seen a whole bunch of the movie adaptations. And I wanted to kind of bring that to life in musical form. Um, so basically all three, the, the Sun, Moon, Holy Cult is one of the quote unquote, evil martial arts sex in that in that in that series um and i guess it's for me it's kind of like it goes back to the dream theater thing you know they they like having long multi-part songs they like having songs that go back and reference their reference the other songs musically and that's what i kind of tried to do with this one as well i i i'm not planning (laughs) i'm not planning on making a part four but I wasn't planning on making a part three either, so. <laughs> you know. So I, 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 I'm not sure yet. There, there might be a part four, but I'm, it's, I'm not thinking of one at the moment. Gotcha. Well, I, I uh, today I, I set them all up three in a row and listened to them all, all in a row, and it sounds nice. It sounds nice like that. I like it. It's a nice little, nice little EP. Well, I guess it's like a two of them are ten minutes, so it's damn near a full length. But you know, it's it's a it's a cool concept. I I enjoy it. Um, you obviously 
reference a lot of Chinese stuff and uh, a lot of Asian things with uh, with ripped to shreds. And I and as as I understand it, that is your that is totally intentional. You were want to be quote a blatantly Chinese band. Can you tell me about that and why that's important? Yeah, um, for me. When I grow up as a kid in America, you know, and I'm listening to rock music and I'm listening to metal music, it's difficult to, you know, just to see anyone who looks like you. Um, I think representation is important. I, that's part of, you know, how how you feel like you belong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially, you know, when you talk to the other Asian kids as you're growing up, you talk to your Asian friends and they're like, metal why are you listening to metal that's like angry white people music you know and you know and when when you look at all the bands you know it's kind of hard because like oh yeah i guess it is kind of all angry white people (laughs) you know but you know so when i got back into metal um like in 2014 2015 you know i'm going to local shows and you know they're even though I live in, in the Bay Area in California where, you know, we've got like an Asian population, like 40% or 50%, depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. So it's still mostly white people at these shows. And, and it just got me thinking, you know, why, why aren't there more Asian male musicians, especially around here? We have some right now. You know, we got, uh, uh, Kevin and Sutek Hexen. Uh, Kevin actually did the layout. Uh, Kevin Ganyuin. He did the layout for this record. Um, we have uh, we we have the Wallace siblings in a cartilage, um, and around here there might be you know a couple more in metal, but you know that's really kind of it. Mm-hmm. But when when I went to like a, a Spinebreaker show, and I mean Spinebreaker is still death metal, but they're much more associated with the hardcore scene here. You know, it, it was it was kind of crazy because. I went to a show in San Jose um, at, at Peace and Justice Center, and you know, I felt you know like I was in high school. You know, I, everywhere I looked, it's like it's all Asian kids. I'm like, well, why is it so different from hardcore? And you look at hardcore, and you can see there's so much more representation there. You know, you got uh, you got Hands of God, you got Tsunami, you got Gulch, you know, Doomsday, you know, all all, all these sick Asian kids into sick hardcore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a big part of why when you go to shows here, the demographics are so different compared to metal. Hmm. So for me, it was like a conscious kind of a, a part of the way I want to present the band, you know, is to have some kind of representation for other Asian Americans in death metal that I feel like is missing. That's interesting. Of course, I don't. I wouldn't have ever looked at it from that perspective because I'm a white guy on the East Coast. You know, it doesn't. <laughs> who wouldn't? You know, I don't have that that uh, perspective. Um, but it's but it makes total sense hearing you say that. And from somebody who's pretty uh, well versed in the hardcore scene, I totally know what you're talking about um, as far as the Asian representation in the hardcore scene. I mean, right now, even you got one of the big bands right now, Speed, out of Australia, who's really pushing pushing that as well and uh i think that's that's cool when, and but you're right i don't see it in uh in metal largely um so i think that's i think it's interesting and i, and I like what you're doing and i think it i think it works too and it allows you to go in a uh in a direction that not a lot of bands have gone on even when it's even as something as simple as artwork and that makes mm-hmm. for interesting you know rip to shred stuff yeah for me it's it, it's really important to have a strong unity between uh, the lyrical themes and the visual themes. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, really make sense to me when you have a band that sings about, uh, I don't know, like 
zombies or uh i mean this is no shade on dismember because you know i love dismember but mm-hmm. if you look at you know like the cover for Everflowing stream and then you look at you know what they're writing and singing about you know, they don't really match up mm-hmm. you know it's it's just you know a cool image and uh cool lyrics but you know there's not like uh uh there's not like a synergy between them or if you look at um uh, like suffocation you know they they've all got classic classic seagrave covers mm-hmm. but i never really feel like there's a good um like, like there's no real unity of vision when it comes to how they're presenting the music. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's something that I don't really like uh, when it comes to my own music. I want to, uh, I, I want the artwork to represent the music very directly. Um, I mean, you know, some people they're, they're fine with like being more abstract. You know, this for me, uh, personally for me to do it that way doesn't work. Yeah. So I, I have to have, you know, a total fusion between the things. Well, and you've done a good job of incorporating some stuff that, uh, like some historical stuff here as well. Like the, the song, uh, Violent Compulsion for Conquest, as I understand, it was inspired by the Mukden incident, which I had to look up and yeah, then I realized yeah. I've, I've, I'm vaguely familiar with it. But is that, is that part of the impact you want to make with Rip to Shreds is to enlighten people on Asian culture? Chinese culture specifically? Mm, I wouldn't really say like it's an aim to enlighten people. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, for me, it it was important to not just do the same things that, you know, every other death metal band has done. You know, everyone sings about World War II. Yeah. Uh, Maybe some people sing about World War I. Actually, I, I don't really, I can't really think of any like Vietnam or Korea war songs, but, you know, when you sing about death and war in death metal, you know, there's kind of like a very narrow range of acceptable topics, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, it was just like, oh, why don't we, why don't we expand it a little bit more, you know? And when I thought about, you know, wanting to present uh, Chinese people and Chinese culture, it just made sense for me to sing about that. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, would it be, would I be full of shit if I, would say that uh, the material on this record has more of a classic heavy metal influence than the other stuff you've done? Um, hmm. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, on, on the last album, Opening Salvo, there, there's oh, like that's a right. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I ripped straight off of Dawkins. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah, that's right. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of understand what you're talking about in the sense of this album being more overtly melodic. Right, than that's the last what one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think consciously, I, I noticed on the first album, you know, I had a ton of guitar leads, not like guitar solos per se, but like leads and melodies. And on Luan, there were slightly less. Luan was more like straightforward, kind of like bludgeoning, mm-hmm. simple kind of riffy death metal. And then so I wanted to bring back a little bit more of the melody and the guitar leads for the newest album. Nice. Yeah, it's got that. Dy- it's got more dynamic to it. Um, th- this is, I believe, is this your first record for Relapse? Yes. Yes. So first record for Relapse. First record with you know real band. <laughs> so does with with all the uh, accolades you've gotten so far with what you've done uh, for everything else and the previous records, um, and the first record on Relapse. Did you feel pressure going into this one? 
I mean, I definitely feel a certain amount of pressure um, that, you know, because they're putting a lot of investment into us. I feel like, you know, we got to succeed in order to feel like, you know, we kind of justify that investment. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I'm not really sure. I mean, because <laughs> I feel like everyone in the band knows we made a super sick record. You know? yeah. And even if there are trolls out there who are like, oh, this is just Entombed, this is just uh, Gatekeeper Light or whatever. No, I don't care. I know I made a sick record. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have to totally agree with you on that. Well, with... Between Ripped to Shreds, Heavy Metal Shrap, Shrapnel, Grind Time, Skull Smasher, all the all the bands that you do, um, would there be anybody in your life that says you're too obsessed with playing heavy metal? Nah. <laughs> it's what makes me happy. <laughs> Clearly. I can't imagine. How much time of your day do you spend on this? It seems like it's got to be all day and night. It's it's. But it's but I mean I don't mean that in a in a negative way. You're a young guy, so this is this is all cool with me. Um, but it's how much time do you spend? Do you think you spend working on writing new material? Actually, writing. So for me, writing is kind of funny. Um, like writing writing this new record was pretty effortless for me. Mm-hmm. It took about two months. We started uh, last May and we finished writing. And like finalizing all the arrangements by like early August. And for other projects, usually, you know, I totally focus on getting a release done. I, I, I don't really write songs and accumulate them. And then once I've accumulated enough songs, I decide to turn it into an EP or split or album or whatever. Usually I think, okay, I want to do an album or I want to do a split or I want to do something. And then I write the music to fill that up. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually for me, my day to day is, you know, I play, well, I play guitar for like an hour or two. Um, or, you know, if I got a set, if I got a show, you know, I have to run through the set a whole bunch of times. Um, but other than that, you know, my time's taken up with like, uh, watching anime, playing video games. But, you know, once I have an idea for a release, you know, then I have to drop everything, you know, and only work on that release until it's done. That's awesome. That's well. It's 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 been uh, successful so far. You've put out tons of great records. You've done so much more already at what thirty one than most people have um, in, a, in a lifetime of this. So I think you should be pretty proud. Uh, I mean, you, you you look at those entombed kids. They were like what seventeen, sixteen when when, when they made Left Hand Path. That's true. But how many? Uh, that would be mean to go into that. I was going to say how many great records they continue to churn out. There's a, few, a bunch of good ones, right? But you know. Um, uh, but I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't exist, you know, without that first one. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. What are you most looking forward to with the release of this? You know, I, I, I do get anxious, even though I'm very confident that it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, I still want people to like it. So once it's, you know, kind of out there, you know, I'll, I'll feel less anxious about that. Um, cause then, you know, I'll, I'll get to read, you know, a bunch of positive comments, a bunch of negative trolls. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then it's kind of like not hanging over heads anymore, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, it's finally totally out there. We don't need to think about it. <laughs> Do you take any of the uh, negative well, or does that depend how it's how it's delivered? I mean, it's, it's really easy for me to dismiss 
criticism. <laughs> <laughs> this is criticism as they have bad taste or they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but, That's the way to know, go. I, yeah. I, I enjoy reading it to see what sort of dumb things people come up with. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, they're going to have to reach to find something dumb to say about this record. So, all right, one last time. Relapse Records, October 14th. Any tours or anything coming up that you can say or big shows, record release? Uh, yeah, we, we, I mean, we got that big show with Ghoul uh, on the 22nd mm-hmm. in Santa Cruz. That'll be our record release show. That'll be, uh, you know, a Halloween show. That'll be my birthday party. Um, and then in 2023, we are going on tour in Europe. We don't have anything booked for the U.S. yet. I don't know if that will change. Might change for next year, but we'll have to see.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with Andrew Lee of Rip to Shreds. The song you just heard is off of Jubian, and it's called Reek of Burning Freedom. Check out the whole record. It drops October 14th through Relapse Records, and it is awesome. I want to thank Andrew for the time and for the conversation and for explaining all the things he had to explain to me. Very smart and interesting guy, super productive with his music, and I can assume that it's going to continue. He already has another Hokagu Grind Time album coming out um, right around the corner, and uh, I'm sure there's more other things to follow. Be on the lookout for everything that he does. It's pretty non-stop. Speaking of non-stop, this is the week of podcasts on Getting It Out Podcast. I'm trying to launch these things as quickly as I can lately because I'm behind. Behind meaning I got a lot of interviews I'm sitting on, so I'm trying to release a lot of episodes in a short amount of time. So be on the lookout for whatever's next. I think it might be rejection packed. I'm not exactly sure. Just tune back in to the next episode of Getting It Out Podcast. I'm going to leave you with an Iberian black slash death metal outfit called Noctum. They got a new record called Credo Certe Ne Cross, and I'm sure I said all of that wrong. It's coming out on Monarch Heavy on October 28th. It's uh, dark, and it's heavy, and it's black slash death metal, so you should know what to expect. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.